Good morning, everybody, and welcome. It is so good to be joining you here on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88, depending on where you are in the amazing country that we call Australia, for The Breakfast Show with Lyle and Monica. Welcome, Monica. How's it going, Lyle? Yeah, really well. What are you grateful for today? I am grateful for continued summer. It's, it's, I mean, look at the golden sunshine outside. I just cannot believe it. It's just going on and going on. 33 degrees in Sydney Uh uh, yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Yesterday. (laughs) Because this is the delayed broadcast, guys. Get with the show. But before I tell them about the delayed broadcast, I'll see what I'm grateful for. What are you grateful for? I moved house. You're grateful for moving? I hate yeah, moving. actually, it was really stressful, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> you but did I am, it in one day. I am, you did move in one day. It took yeah. me like three weeks to move last time I moved. I am now in walking distance of the uh, radio studio, which is I'm very grateful for. I'm not yes, so grateful that I can't find my morning. toothbrush. <laughs> my breath is so rank right now. <laughs> yeah, and I am grateful because I unpacked my juicer. And as of today or yesterday, if mm-hmm. you're the delayed listener, I started a 30-day juice fast. Okay, so if you turn up looking like carrots, we'll all know why. Yes, just feed me a cookie or something. No, don't, <laughs> don't, don't trip me up. But yes, this is the I'm delayed gonna, I'm broadcast. I'm going to start sending you. What's your favourite thing to eat that's not healthy? That's not healthy? Mm. Oh, that's really hard. Like my my top five foods are all healthy things. Maybe, oh, do you know what? Yeah, it's got to be cookies, actually. Okay, cookies. I'm going to start sending you cookies in the mail and see you how strong so you are. You're so horrible. <laughs> I'm not going to give you my new address. <laughs> this is indeed the delayed broadcast, dear listener. So if you would like to jump on the live show, which is actually a much better option for you, because when you're on the live show, you can ring in, you can ask the question of the day, you can get the free gift giveaway at the end, you can answer the quiz and win the prize. All you have to do is... Jump on faithfm.com.au and or press play. And press play. Yeah, that's really easy. Or simply go to the TuneIn app, download it to your mobile device, um, find, get the free version, find Faith FM Australia, do a quick search for that, make it, put it into your favourites, and then run it through your aux cord or your tape insert or your Bluetooth or however you want through your car stereo or your uh, whatever it is, your, your truck stereo or your tractor stereo or whatever it is you're driving, run it through there and listen to the live show. Mm. So much better. And you can just listen to anywhere you want, anywhere on the planet. Okay, so we have a hilarious story coming up mm. in this morning's show. And we also have some serious ones as well, uh, particularly we coming do. out of the Commonwealth Games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have some, yeah, a really funny story. You're very much going to enjoy that. And you're going to enjoy the rest of our show as well. We have a wonderful Bible study, our encounter with God. Um, we have a, an we get to incredible talk to a graffiti interview. artist. Yes, graffiti artist. And we also, of course, have some wonderful music. So stick around today. We've got a great show for you. We're going to have a quick song break. This is Reggie Smith and Nathan Young. Now is the day.
What a great message and song right there. Now is the day of salvation. And if it is something that you are considering, a decision you have not made, today is the day to make that decision. That song is off my favourite album. Oh, really? Mm, Pillars of Our Faith. A beautiful album. I just love the whole thing start to finish. What have we got for the quiz today, Mon? The quiz. Oh, it's Monday morning. Maybe you'll be as brain dead as I am, Lyle. (laughs) No, Monday's the beginning of a new week. And so (laughs) it is a week that is pregnant with possibilities. And I'm excited (laughs) to see what happens. Okay, well, fine. Let me see if I can make this a little bit harder than if you're so confident. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Who am I? Clue one. I feared that if Adonija were king, my son and I would be treated as criminals. Yes, I know who this person is. Yes, I do. I never even heard of that guy, Adonija. Am I saying it right? Uh Adonija. Adonija. That's how I say it anyway. I have no idea how a Hebrew person would say that, but... If you're Hebrew, give us a call. Yeah. (laughs) And if you know the answer, also give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text us 0491-064-669. Or you can even jump on our Facebook if it's easier for you. Message us on Faith FM Australia. And we will send you the prize, which today is the Tell the World DVD. Oh, fantastic. Mm, Yeah. We'll send you that if you can get the answer right. I feared that if Adonijah were king, my son and I would be treated as criminals. Who was that? Mm, this was a woman. It was indeed. Okay. Uh, what have we got? What have we got for positive news stories? You got a positive news story I for do. us? I do. I have. Do you know what? I have a, positively different, a different radio. Different so we should, today. we should talk about something positive. I have some positive news and I have a funny story for you, Lyle. Okay. I'm always up for a funny story. Yeah, I know you are. Okay. So get this right. The first Antarctic greenhouse has harvested fruits and veg. And this might be a foreshadow of what they can do on Mars and the moon. They are harvesting vegetables in Antarctica. <laughs> they are growing vegetables. Yep. You can ask, they actually have green things in Antarctica. <laughs> and it's very pretty. So this is a, a German uh, aerospace center. And um, they sent like this. It's is this like, like a, in, the, in, the, in the caldera of a volcano or something or other? No, it's, it's just like, it's just out like on a tundra, an Antarctic tundra. And so they sent this, uh, like a, I want to say like a, a pod slash trailer out there and they built it. It looks like a trailer home. And, uh, and they filled it up with, um, not with so much with soil, but with um, this nutrient-dense liquid. Mm -hmm. And so they're growing all different kinds of veggies and they just had their first harvest. I'm disappointed. I was hoping to hear hear how fertile the Antarctic soil was. (laughs) I'm thinking, is this this soil fertile or is it completely dead? Because, I mean, our soil has to be full of little microbes and bugs and all kinds of critters to be able to make the stuff grow. It's true. And I'm thinking, how does anything grow when everything is frozen solid? You know, you're not like you can have earthworms in Antarctica, is it? They'd be like... Well, it sounds like the only thing alive out there was the very curious penguins that kept coming over to have a look and yeah, see what oh, this if pod I was. was. A, if I was a penguin, I'd be going to have a squeeze for sure. Okay, so they've harvested about four and a half kilos of salad greens, 18 cucumbers <clears throat> and 70 radishes. And uh, that was only planted in January, so it's doing pretty all right. And, uh, and yeah, they're you're not going to live off that though. January, no, I mean, February, March and partway yeah. through April and that's all you get to eat? Yeah, but this is kind of like a breakthrough for them. So um, they've already planted some strawberries, some capsicums, and a bunch of herbs. And they hope that um, on average, like once it really gets rolling, they get about uh, five to six kilos of produce per week from it. And uh, and obviously they're aiming to try and get um, to be able to grow vegetables in space. Okay, so my question is, is the temperature of an, in <clears throat> Antarctica the same as the temperature in Mars? 
I have absolutely no idea. I've never been to Mars, uh, funnily enough. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> or Antarctica. You've been to so many moment. places, Mon. I thought you would have been to Mars by now. What is wrong with you? No. Um, I know because they're not, they're not, it's not necessarily going to be built um, like on Mars soil per se just yet. So they want to send people to Mars, but they need to be fed because it's so far away. They need a renewable um, source of food. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, they can't pack enough jerky. I don't know what the problem there is. So they have to have enough renewable food. And uh, so the plan is to grow it, but not necessarily on in Mars soil, but like to take one of these pods... And like it's almost like a self-contained okay, unit. Okay, so and they can it, launch this, this unit is a, this into is space. A flying greenhouse, a flying yeah. greenhouse full yeah. of food that is growing. A spaceship greenhouse. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the so the very first humans who ever go uh-huh. to Mars are going to be vegans. Yeah, or the moon. Yeah, vegans. They are. They are indeed. So yes, yeah, so they're aiming for the moon and Mars because it's so much easier to grow vegetables than it is stock. That's absolutely true, and it takes a lot less, a lot less to to, um, to grow it. So um, yeah, they're hoping to to send this whole unit. It's a whole self-contained unit into space, and then that'll um, you know feed the astronauts. Fantastic! Yeah, That's an awesome cool story. That? I love that. That's just amazing. Humans are amazing. Mm-hmm, they sure are. Now let me tell you a funny story, Lyle. Okay. Okay, so this is about a man who, by the way, just let me ask, have you ever been banned from anywhere? Banned from anywhere. Banned yeah. from anywhere. Let me think, let me think, let me think, let me think. I can't think of being banned from anywhere. It's not nothing immediately coming to mind. <laughs> okay, this is a story of a man, Nick Birchall, who was banned from a hotel. He was banned from the Empress Hotel 18 years ago, and he really wanted to go back, and so he wrote them an apology letter and explained what really happened the night that he got banned. <laughs> so, uh, okay, listen up. I'm going right, to right, read this one. Because this was the Navy we were talking about, I brought um, presents for uh, – sorry, let me start that again. So he was traveling with uh, his Navy buddies and they asked him to bring something called Brother's Pepperoni, which is a special pepperoni from Halifax. Right. And uh, and so he said, yeah, sure, I'll pick, I'll pick you up some souvenirs. And so he said, because this was the Navy we were talking about, I brought enough pepperoni for a ship. In a hurry, I completely filled a suitcase with pepperoni for my friends. Some of it was wrapped in plastic, some of it in brown paper, some of it just came as it was. Unfortunately, the airline misplaced the suitcase and it was not returned to Birchall until the next day at the hotel. I knew the pepperoni would still be good, but it had been at room temperature for a short time um, and if I could keep it cool, it'd be fine for the next day. So he had a nice big hotel room, was front-facing room on the fourth floor. Mm-hmm. It was well-appointed, but it did not have a refrigerator. It was April, the air was chilly, and an easy way to keep all of this pepperoni cool was just to keep it <laughs> open next to a window. So he <laughs> spread the packages out on a table next to an open window and then went for a walk for about four or five hours. Okay. By the time Birchall returned to his room, he walked in on a gruesome scene. Over 40 seagulls had flown flown in the window and started eating the pepperoni. In case you're wondering, Brothers Pepperoni does nasty things to a seagull's digestive system. (laughs) And as you can expect, the room was covered in seagull (laughs) feces. And what he did not realize also was that seagulls drool, especially when they eat pepperoni. So I'm sure you can have an image of your mind walking into a room, startling (laughs) all of these birds. They immediately start flying 
flying around and crashing into things as they were desperately <laughs> trying to leave the room through the small opening by which they had entered. Less composed seagulls were attempting to leave through closed windows and the result was a tornado of seagull, <laughs> seagull excrement feathers and pepperoni chunks and fairly large birds whipping around the room. The lambs oh, were falling, the curtains were trashed, the coffee tray was disgusting. He waded through the birds and opened the remaining windows. Most of the seagulls left immediately. One tried to re-enter the room and grab another piece of pepperoni and in his agitated state, he took off one of his shoes and threw it at him. <laughs> Both the seagull and the shoe went out the window. As he tried to assess the damage, he noticed there was one hulking seagull that still stuck in the room, refusing to leave. He chased the bird around the room and finally had to use a towel to trap the bird and then throw it out the window. I had forgotten, he said, that seagulls cannot fly when they are wrapped in a towel. <laughs> While oh this no. was happening, oh the no, hotel has, was hosting its very famous popular high tea outside the hotel <laughs> where a large group of tourists were first struck by a flying shoe and then a wrapped up seagull. <laughs> With the room still in shambles, he remembered that he had a fancy dinner to go to and so had to retrieve his shoe from the mud. He washed it in the washroom, but one was now dark and one was light. And so instead of just wetting the, the light shoe, he decided to dry the wet shoe with a little hairdryer, which was going quite well until the phone rang. And when he went to answer the phone, the hairdryer fell in the sink in the water and short-circuited the entire hotel. <laughs> he said at this point he knew he needed help. So he called the front desk and asked for someone to come help clear up a mess. When the lady got there, all he said was, I'm sorry, and then just left and went to dinner. <laughs> he received a lifetime ban. Banned from the hotel, but he wrote it all down in a letter and sent them, <laughs> would you believe, a pound of brother's pepperoni to apologise and has since been allowed back in the hotel. <laughs> yeah, I think if I was a hotel manager, I'd be going for some uh, cleaning costs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope you've had a good oh, chuckle and that has lightened your Monday mood. definitely lightened my Monday morning. That's just, that's fantastic. What an amazing story right there. We're now going to have a song. This is Satisfied in You by the Sing Team. I have lost my appetite And the flood is welling up behind my eyes So I eat the tears I cry And if that were not enough they know just the words to cut and tear and prod When they ask me where's your God Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? I can remember when you showed your face to me As a deer pants for water So my soul thirsts for you And when I behold your glory You so faithfully renew Like a bed of rest For my fainting flesh I am satisfied in you When I'm staring 
staring at the ground It's an inbred feedback loop that brings me down So it's time to lift my brow And remember better days When I love to worship you in all your ways With the sweetest songs of praise Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? I can remember when you showed your grace to me As a deer pants for water, so my soul
That was the Sing Team, Satisfied in You, here in Faith FM. And we, I have an interesting story here, but before I get to it, uh, Mon, what's mm. our latest quiz clue? Okay. This is a Who Am I quiz, and the first clue was, I feared that if Adonijah were king, my son and I would be treated as criminals. And our next clue is, Adonijah wanted me to try and get the okay from the king for him to marry a bizhag. This resulted in Adonijah's death. Mm-hmm. Abishag. 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 Yeah. It was an interesting name. Yeah. I guess it was a very pretty name back then. Not so much now. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> but anyway, so here's an interesting story that uh, has come through from the Commonwealth Games. Oh, yeah. And one in which I'm going to share my personal opinion and uh, maybe you have a different opinion. I don't know. But this is about Laurel Hubbard, um, who is a New Zealand um, transgender weightlifter. Okay. Um, she's creating controversy by competing in the women's 90 kilograms plus weightlifting uh, championship. Um, and this particular person was previously a champion male weightlifter, mm-hmm. uh, lifting 330 kilograms. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, there is uh, you know quite some debate, particularly from you know Pacific Islands and so forth. Um, so people like Gary Walmark. Um, who's the head coach of Samoa, is firmly opposed, stating a man is a man, a woman is a woman, and Mm -hmm. that's how we should divide up um, how we actually participate Mm -hmm. in sports. Mm -hmm. Which raises some interesting questions, and that is when it comes to sports competition, should it be divided up via uh, biology Mm -hmm. or emotion? Mm. So if a person is emotionally... Uh, one sex, but biologically the other. Should we should we should we make this a biological thing or a, a, an emotional thing? And I think that uh, to make competitive sports based on emotion is laughable. Yeah, I think it makes a laughing stock. And I'm sorry, this is just my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. It doesn't reflect your opinion or the opinion of the station or anybody else. It's my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. I think it makes a laughing stock of, uh, of of competition because this person is biologically a male. Mm-hmm. This person has the DNA of a male. It has the chromosomes of a male. Mm-hmm. They have the body mass of a male. They have the bone mass of a male. They have the muscle mass of a male. They have previously been a championship male competitor. There is uh, no female competitor in the world that can come close to the amount mm-hmm. of weight that this person is able to lift. Mm-hmm. Um, they're expected to smash the record, and it's going to uh, and effectively creates the only way that you can possibly compete with this person is to have a sex change. Yeah, and I don't think we should require people to have a sex change just so that they compete mm-hmm. and compete on an even playing field. Yeah, look, I have heard about uh, some of this in the news, and I was a little bit outraged because of what it can mean for biological women. It, you know, there's as a sportswoman. There's no way you can go now because if men can just emotionally decide that they want to be women and compete in women's category sports, we're never going to be able to win. Do you yeah. get what I mean? It's yeah. just it's. I mean, there's a, little, there's a little bit more involved with sports than just saying, "Hey, I self-identify as a woman today." Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, there's a bit more involved in it than that, but essentially, that's 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 the situation mm-hmm. we have. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, you know, I think this is wrong. You know, we have. Um, you know, situations in the Bible where people self-identified as something that they were not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, for instance, you've got Nebuchadnezzar who self-identified for seven years as a as a cow. Mm-hmm. A very different situation, mm-hmm. but it has some levels of similarity. And, you know, my question is, would we then put Nebuchadnezzar into bullfighting? 
Yeah, exactly. Because he self-identifies as a cow. No, we would say that's uh, a case of uh, clinical boanthropy, mm-hmm. um, and we would treat his. We we would give him appropriate treatment for that, which would not involve, you know, um, treating him as a cow. Do you think um, uh, transgender or you know whatever term it is you wish to use? Um, do you think these people should be given their own category at sport, at any sort of sports? You know, they have your biological men, your biological women, and then if you wish to participate in something different, you can be in a third category. Um, I don't think it's necessary because biology is biology and you can't argue with biology. Mm-hmm. Um, and biology is what determines your body mass and your muscle mass, your, your uh, bone mass. And so that's what's going to determine in what area you should compete. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is the reason why we separate genders in competition. It has nothing to do with a person's emotional state. The reason we separate men from women in competition is because of their physical makeup. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if it was, if it was just purely, uh, if there was no difference other than you know, just the, the emotional, like uh, uh, you know, way that a person thinks, mm-hmm. then there would be no need to have men's sports and women's sports. Mm, mm. And one of the things that I see taking place with this story, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to be sensitive here, is. Your high level sports is heading the direction that it headed back in Roman times. Okay. And in Roman times, you had similar situations to this kind of thing taking place where people were allowed to compete um, in, a, in, in such a way that they could not be beaten and that they would set records. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a start of the decline of the Roman Empire and one of the greatest civilizations the ancient world ever ever saw. It, it it was one of the signs that brought about, you know, the Dark Ages where civilization went backwards for, you know, nearly 1,500 years mm-hmm. and just walked, you know, you know, you look at the civilization of Rome and Greece and some of these nations. And when they started to go down this direction, that's when civilization collapsed. Mm-hmm. That's what brought in the Dark Ages, amongst many other factors. But mm-hmm, this is mm-hmm. one of the factors, and I just see, you know, many of the other factors. What we have happening in our world right now in Western society is a repeat of what took place in ancient Rome and Greece. And we are seeing the collapse of Western society. It's as simple as that. You know, you've got, you've got places like America that are becoming, very rapidly becoming, a failed state. Mm. And we've talked about this before and some of the reasons for it and how that, you know, extreme capitalism, which is extreme selfishness, is, 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 is driving it. And now you've got situations like this where, yes, a new world record will be set and it will be unbeatable until somebody else comes along and has a sex change so that they can beat the record. Mm. But it's... it's it's, I think it's a little unfair because obviously men can then uh, become women and then dominate women's sports, but women can never become men and dominate men's sports. It's never going to happen. This is, and this is the whole point. Mm. You know, where is, the, where is the logic behind this? Where is the reason behind this? And this is why I say that we are heading down a path that's, that, that is, 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 a, is a demonstration of the collapse of Western society because reason and mm-hmm. reality is mm-hmm. going out the window. Yeah. We are throwing reality out and it's like whatever you feel. 
Mm-hmm. You know, whatever you feel goes. Which I think, to be honest, discredits sports women, like you know, biological women. The, the the work and the dedication and the training that they put in mm-hmm. to just be shattered because someone has emotionally decided that they want to be a woman when they have the um, genetic makeup of a man. You could just walk in and without too much work or effort or anything mm-hmm. otherwise just uh, yeah. walk all over, all over the competition. Yeah. I, I, th- I think it's um, – I actually do think it's really unfair. Mm. If you have an opinion about this, do give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. We can have a chat about it, 1-800-324-843. Let us know what you think. Do you think it is unfair um, that a biological man can decide that he wants to compete as a woman in women's sports and therefore smash all the records held by biological women? Hmm. Anyway, another story. Very quickly, just as we're finishing up, Mm -hmm. um, there is uh, research coming out that shows that uh, about how to be a giving person without burning out. Oh. And that per- people who who manage their benevolence, mm-hmm. okay, so they manage the amount of time that they give, actually have a better effect on the people that they are giving to. And oh. So, for instance, if you get somebody, if you get a teacher, right, mm-hmm. who, uh, who is a very giving person and there has a student who needs some help, and like, I'll give you a whole day on Sunday to help you and tutor you through that compared to another teacher who says, why don't you join me for an hour after class while I'm also tutoring this other person? Mm -hmm. It's the second one who has a greater effect on the student Ah, than the first one. So we've we've always known about, you know, it's important to protect uh, yourself Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that you have more to give. Yeah. But now we're finding that, you know, people who overgive actually don't help that much. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of people don't uh, look after themselves. They sort of burn out and they give too much. They give too much. And then they have a, you know, a bit of a breakdown uh, from exhaustion. But that's interesting to know that they can actually help more by, by being a bit more temperate, I guess. That's right. And the Bible says we need to love ourselves and we need to look after ourselves. And Jesus set that example by taking his disciples and giving them a rest for a while. This is Josh Cunningham with Three Chords. <laughs> Follow your heart is what they say I know that if I do I'll be following something I can't know Deceitful and untrue I couldn't love you if I tried I couldn't find a way Unless my heart is led by God I'll only go astray If you wanna be one heart, one flesh One instead of two There's gotta be three chords woven God and me and you If our hearts burn within us with The fire that consumes Only then can we say I love you God is love, He gives to us A priceless gift that's free He gave Himself, He gave His all Unconditionally I wanna love you like He does, Lord Give me eyes to see The only way I can is if You live inside of me If we wanna be one heart, one flesh One instead of two There's gotta be three chords woven God and me and you If our hearts burn within us with the 
fire that consumes Only then can we say I love you Love is kind, love never fails It ain't boastful, proud or rude It bears all things, believes all things Rejoices in the truth Love will never seek her own Love's patient, love endures And if we want love like that Is what we'll have to do If we wanna be one heart, one flesh One instead of two there's gotta be three cords woven God and me and you If our hearts burn within us with the fire that consumes Only then can we say I love you That was Josh Cunningham with three chords here on Faith FM. And Monica, what's uh, very quickly a quiz, a clue for our quiz? Okay, so this is a who am I quiz. The first clue was, I feared that if Adonija were king, my son and I would be treated as criminals. Clue two was, Adonija wanted me to try and get the okay from the king for him to marry Abishag. Mm -hmm. And this resulted in Adonija's death. And the third clue is, I am the mother of Solomon. Well, there you go. If you know the answer to that, then give us a call. You know the numbers 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669 or shoot us a message on Facebook. But right now, Monica, I have somebody on the phone, a very special person on the phone, and I want to ask your opinion. What is your opinion of graffiti? Ooh, graffiti. 
I like some of it. I don't like all of it. I particularly like murals. Mm. So, yeah, I like commissioned graffiti. That's a bit more artistic. Um, tagging, you know, when they little kids trying to have a go and it looks a bit straggly, not so much. <laughs> well, I have a graffiti artist on the phone. Delaga, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Good morning. Yeah, good, thanks. Now, uh, good to be on the line, man. Yeah, it's good. I always knew you back in the day, and uh, and we go back a few. How many years? How many years do we go back? Uh, um, when when when? Oh wow, two wow, two thousand and ten. If I can remember, Ooh, eight okay. years. Yeah, hey, Monica, time. Monica, yeah. let me let you on a little bit bit of a secret. I, uh-huh. And I, I knew two lager as uh, as two back then. We, can I call you two? Because that's what I always used to call you yeah. back in the day. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. That's the Aussie version of my name. So uh, pretty much two is what what it is. Okay, so you're here in Australia. Well, you're not here in Australia. You're in New Zealand, but uh, but because you're on mm-hmm. Australian radio, we'll call you two. And uh, Monica, guess what? <laughs> what two went to the same alma mater as you did? Oh no way! He went to the Iditarod Evangelism right. College, IWAC. Oh, you went to uh, you're an Iwetian. <laughs> That's right, yeah, pretty hey. much. So that's where I met Tu from. Hey, Tu, we want to hear a bit about your story this morning, and uh, we particularly want to hear about what you're doing with graffiti because that's um, something uh, definitely unique. Um, mm, but yeah, why don't, why don't you just uh, start us off? Um, obviously, you're in New Zealand now. Did you have you always? Did you grow up in New Zealand? Are you from New Zealand? Is that where your family's from? Yes, yeah, born and bred in New Zealand, Wellington. Yep, uh, that's where home is. Yep, and that's where my parents migrated from Samoa. Uh, I grew up in there. Uh, Porirua was the, the city that that I came from, and um, so life began there. And my parents became Adventists, and uh, we, you know, had us mm-hmm. uh, four boys. And uh, yeah, we grew up in the Samoan Adventist traditional church background. Yeah, I was. Well, I was going to say, did you grow uh, up in a Christian yeah. home? But because I often ask people this question, but Absolutely. you know, for a for a South Pacific Islander, you know, from Samoa, I guess everybody grows up in a Christian home uh, coming from that culture. Would that be right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And church is just uh, what we do, you know. Uh, yep. We carry our Bibles around as part of uh, the attire, almost, you know. Whether sure. we read it or not, it's just <laughs> stuffy that we do. But, yeah, that, so that's pretty much the upbringing and my background on how I uh, was introduced to, to God, you know. Sure, sure, and yeah. So without that, I don't think I would have had the reference to understand that, the, you know, the God of heaven yeah, was yeah. actually communicating uh, to me. So. Fantastic. And so that's my background, man. Now, was there a uh, just yeah. a just a question on that? Was there a point at which you uh, where it became real for you, or, or, or have you always known God? Yeah, it did. It came to a point where, you know, you find something, and if you find something like hip hop, uh, you know, that's that's uh, hip hop kingdom, you know, and mm-hmm. it could only serve and provide the joy, the, the happiness, and the fulfillment for only so long. And then I realized this, this, the same question, is this it? Uh, is there more? And then uh, all of a sudden the Lord just called me, and uh, which, was, uh, which was different. So how, because, how did that calling take uh, place? Describe for me what, what happened when God called you. At that time I didn't know about God, much about God. It was just very elementary. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Noah's Ark and all those kind of stuff we learned at Sabbath school. That was yep. it. Yep. But because of that, I was able to realize that, hey, God's communicating through uh, to me because of what my parents taught me at home in family worship. Mm, mm, and mm. so I'm a product of that. And so it's funny because God used hip-hop because that was the lenses that I had on mm-hmm. at the time. Sure. And so he used that to help me understand what my parents and the church I belonged to and all these um, adventist experiences that I had growing up 
made me understand, hey, I get it. Yep. <laughs> and, yep. and I actually need it and I want. It. And so and so I understood what my parents were teaching me through the lenses of hip hop. So hip hop was a medium that God used to help me understand uh, Yeah, fantastic. And so yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Now, question. Uh, back in the day, when uh, when you came to Australia and uh, attended the It Is Written Evangelism College, which was where we met, uh, which was operating yes. out of Sydney back then, um, had a great time there mm-hmm. that year, and, and I've certainly got some yeah, great memories of uh, of working together there. What was it that it was uh, inspired good. you to come to the It Is Written Evangelism College? I I I just had a passion for for winning people to Jesus. Mm-hmm. I just realized that, you know, I had something and then I wanted to share it. And so I wanted to learn how to communicate uh, the information, the, the experience, uh, the encounter I had with God, and I just wanted to share it with people. So going to IWIC was part of the journey to enable me to be a better soul winner. Yeah, fantastic. And, uh, yeah, met, met people like yourself who you know, had, had the same kind of passion. Mm, mm. And I just was thirsty and hungry for it because then I realized, hey, that's... That's, that's the call. Now, my understanding is you've been in pretty much full-time ministry ever since. Is that right? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, as a pastor. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in full-time ministry. Yeah, that's right. Um, I've been called to Christchurch, and Christchurch is my post. Uh-huh. Looking up the two uh, Samoan churches yep. uh, in Christchurch. I, I was doing Edison Church. And, uh, yeah, I've been doing Sunday school since 2015. So how does how does a pastor get into a ministry involving graffiti? I'm still trying to figure out where those dots connect. Yeah, because when, when, when you use the word graffiti, you know, sometimes we have uh, images of, you know, train Criminal carriages oh, yeah. that have been tra- tagged all oh, over yeah. the place and... And 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 oh, yeah. criminal youths that are running around with too much time on their hands and nothing to do and <laughs> just making a mess of delinquents things. and uh, absolutely. There's a there's a huge stigma with it. You know, we you know we get it and and it's obvious and it's the truth. And because this graffiti house it has this uh, a stig- stigma to it that you know it's a vandalism. Uh, we break the law because we you know we we just don't have permission to write on somebody's wall. And yeah, I mean, if somebody came and tagged my car, I'd be like, oh, that's a bit disappointing, you know. Now I'm going to have to clean that off. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's terrible. And that's the that's the sad side of, uh, of that. Right. And uh, it's just the vandalism and so forth. But for graffiti, together with me being a minister, it's actually, a, this is a personal ministry with me. You know, even before I became a minister, I was already, I would say, doing ministry. Sure, you know? sure. Um it's funny when we say that, you know, oh, you know, I'm going into ministry. But before that, I was already involved in ministry, whether I was a part of a leadership or to, it was just part of who I was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, being, being, being a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so graffiti was a personal thing. It wasn't so much I was thinking about what, what should I do as a minister? Should I use graffiti as part of my ministry in the church? It was more something that I wanted to do to keep me alive, to mm-hmm. keep me as a person alive, you know? Because mm-hmm. one thing is trying to keep um, churches alive, but what's keeping me alive, you know? Mm. And, what, and what keeps me alive is just uh, witnessing to Jesus, witnessing for Jesus, uh, save as much souls as I can. And so I thought, maybe there must be a better way. And graffiti is one of them. So, so with, your, that with your graffiti, are you... Um 
I'm assuming that uh, <coughs> I'm, I'm assuming that as a church pastor who does graffiti, that you actually uh, <laughs> paint on walls where you have permission to do so. Would that be correct? Oh, absolutely. It's all, <laughs> it's all absolutely legal for moral reasons. Yes, we do it the right way. Yeah, yeah, yeah fantastic. And there are, are there lots of spaces in uh, Christchurch there where you can uh, where you can do graffiti art. Yes, there's a few. There's a few uh, places. There's mm-hmm. a few spaces. I have heart arcs, um, you know, like businesses who have uh, a spare wall or some space, and sometimes I get the opportunity to do something for them. Sure. Um, what kind of so What kind of pictures do you do graffiti? Like, what what features heavily in your in your style? Hey, um, yeah, just uh, a lot of people get things mixed up with graffiti and street art. Mm-hmm. Um, graffiti. Uh, basically and solemnly, it's just to do with words. Okay. Uh, it's just it's just words because the word graffiti comes from the word grapho, which is to write. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes oh. from the Greek word. Uh, yeah. So it actually has to do with words. And so a graffiti artist is known as a writer. And so all we do deal with is just words, letters, and how we uh, uh, interpret or make it, make it look like certain words or certain letters. We kind of mess it all up. Uh, there's no rules or grammar. Uh, you just put it all out there and that becomes graffiti. But when you add pictures like flowers, mountains, and that's street art. But, uh, but a graffiti artist only deals with words and letters. So is there much crossover then between uh, graffiti and street art? Or do graffiti artists, you know, they pure, they stick with graffiti and street artists stick with, with street art? Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a huge mix. Because you can't put artists, you can't put uh, street artists or any artists uh, in a box. Sure. So you can mix it up. Yep. Yeah, you can call yourself a graffiti artist, but then you add a few nice backgrounds. Some some people are really good at doing nice mountains and pictures and landscapes, but they're terrible graph writers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. yep. Um, you know, it's up to the you know to judge. You can you can judge yourself, but um, either or you can mix it all up. I'm more of a graffiti artist more than doing nice little pictures of Jesus and all and so forth. But some people have that gift. Sure, mix sure. Okay, so you're working with words. You're you're doing. Uh, uh, a graffiti, which is, uh, as you say, working with words. In working with words, are you able to get the message of Jesus Christ out there to the community by what you paint on walls? Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Because graffiti art is a language that only graffiti artists and those who like graffiti or even street artists who are not graffiti artists but love their art form, because graffiti is an art form. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's categorized uh, a particular a unique group of artists, yeah. And so, when you write a when you write a word or a concept, usually words that go up is a person's name, a person's area, or a concept or an idea. And so, when people read it, uh, people who are not familiar with it will just look at it as just a very colourful mess of black, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But an artist or graffiti artist will read it and they say, "Hey, that's what that says," because oh. it speaks to them. So it's a language. So if I was preaching to a group of French people, I was speaking French. Sure. Mm. About people who don't speak French, it's not for them. But yeah. this graffiti is painted for graffiti arts. Well, that makes a lot of sense to me because I don't speak graffiti, and <laughs> I've often seen it. And and you and you look at it and like, like, what does that word actually say? You can tell that it's a word, yeah. and it's like, ah, I can sort of see some, yeah, yeah, you but. Like a modern but you actually, so a graffiti artist, they actually read those words, and there's a whole language there, and everybody you can understands. Read it. Yeah, it's a, you can read it. Sometimes I uh, I look at some uh, styles, and I'm just thinking I've never seen a the letter S um, done that way, and that tells me that's that person's style. Sure, um, sure. Do you put Bible verses it, 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 up? Uh, uh, Bible verses. 
because you can only put up so many letters, mm-hmm. so you play with words. So, for example, my project is uh, instead of putting the word Jesus, uh, I've got this project called Self Zero. Self Zero means another word of saying uh, selfless. Mm-hmm. Because because graffiti artists like to play with words mm. and they like to make up words. And so my slang or the language that I'm trying to use, which I am using, is self-zero is, is, is another word for Jesus in saying that he is selfless. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know? Do, uh, you have a, do you have a tag or a, like a, I don't know, like a particular name for yourself, like a nickname or something? No, <laughs> not, not really. I haven't gone down that track. Um, I'm basically just going with concepts, biblical concepts. Um, familiar words like faith, hope, and love. Mm-hmm. Um, those are basic stuff. But to get more complex, to get deeper into the the, well, the bigger world, uh, instead of commercialized areas where faith, hope, and love is a common thing that a lot of different artists use, I'm going to get deeper um, uh, to the point where how can I interpret the three angels' message uh, in graffiti and only in a few words. Wow. Mm. That would be very challenging. I mean, you're talking about just a very limited number of letters, and you're going to, yeah. I would love to. Uh, I would love to see an interpretation of the three angels' messages in in, in graffiti art. Oh yeah, that that has, so that's, that's the, yeah, that's right. I mean, loud. Uh, that's the challenge is how can you get the three angels' message to a, a graffiti world where a language is spoken fluently, where they can say, where in the world did this come from? Uh-huh. You know. And very quickly, very quickly too, because we're almost out of time, but do you get to mix a lot with other graffiti artists and, and obviously share Jesus with them? Yeah, I've met uh, one of the uh, one respected uh, graffiti artist called Icarus, and uh, he's been my mentor, and he you know, has no connection to a church. I'm the closest thing he has. Sure. Because he said, oh, you're the first pastor I've ever met in my life that is a graffiti artist. Yeah. And I just thought, wow, this is different too for him. Fantastic. So he mentors me. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's, uh, and we're going we're gonna to have to finish up because we're just about out of time. But that's cool. um, thanks for coming on the show too. Really enjoy it. Hey, and thank God you for bless you. Yeah, online.
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.